You're listening to the World Football Program with all the latest updates from both local and international football. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM. Penny Tanner Hothi in the driving seat. Just Penny's fine. Louie and Miranda in the studio with me. Good morning, everyone. Morning. How are we? Good morning. Good to be with you. Football is back. It is. It is definitely back. It's not just back here. It's becoming back all over the world, which is great. Some of the biggest leagues like the Bundesliga and the EPL, Serie A, all coming back. It's amazing how much you miss it when it's gone. Yeah. I mean, we've been lucky in our game that it's a 52-week sport. When ours finish, we can watch the European or South American or uh, British football. Mm. Uh, so we got it all year round. But, uh, yeah, so I don't think we've had a situation maybe during World Wars that obviously had to stop. Uh, the competitions, but other than that, I don't think there's been a time in our lifetime mm. that we've actually seen uh, football come to a screaming halt, other than Belarus. The interesting thing about this is that uh, us as adults, we talk about it in various ways, how it affects us, what we say, conversations we have, all those kind of things. As adults, it's in the news, it's kind of in our faces with the messages and how we operate and the new norms, different norms, becoming new norms, all that kind of stuff. Kids go out there and they'd, and they'd be kids. And although they haven't been playing football because they don't have the same grass space, well, now they have, but they just go out and want to do the same things. I started coaching again this week and all the girls wanted to do was talk, of course, and um, kick a football and be with their mates, like be with their mates. They wanted to get up close. They wanted to push each other and rough and tumble and tackle each other and give each other hugs. And I'm like, swing your arms around. You're not supposed to be doing that. 
why coach? You know, you know why. And it's really hard coach and it's instinct coach and then you turn around and they're doing it again and they're like, oi. And it's just, it's really hard. It's all this energy wanting to be expressed. And when this has moved on to school's back to normal and everyone's back at work and football's back to normal, the kids will just be kids growing up. And in a blink, it would have gone for them. But for adults who are affected by these things in a lot more you know, responsible and mature and different ways, they'll be thinking about it for a long time. Mm-hmm. I think you, uh, in that sense you're right, but it's the people that have the long lasting is people that have lost loved ones. Yep. So I guess... And businesses have been affected. Some oh, yeah, have they've lost their life, livelihood or yep. homes or whatever the case may be. So it has made a huge impact. Hopefully... Um, We've seen the back end of it. Everybody's talking about the second wave. Let's just hope it doesn't come. Mm. And uh, yep. that's one wave I think most surfers will be happy not to see come. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you, everybody, for listening in and keeping on listening in through the last couple of months. We've remained on air in a different kind of way in the studio here, but uh, generally back to everything normal for us now and appreciate everyone at the station, Radio Fremantle, who's allowed us to operate in the same way that we have and bring football to air. Really do appreciate that. Uh, I know I love it. The whole team loves it. And my team here in the World Football Program, they're absolutely awesome. So thank you. And thank you, listeners, for keeping on tuning in. And a big thank you to everyone that supports football. Really do appreciate that. Louis and Prosperity Strata Management, good on you, Louis. Do appreciate that. I know it's tough in business and there might be some tough times to come, even if it is okay now, but we do appreciate it. West Coast Futsal have definitely had a tough time. Greg Farrell and the competitions there at West Coast have simply stopped, which has meant that um, people are not playing football or have not been playing football or futsal, and that means uh, livelihoods will definitely be affected as they will be across other businesses that are football. But they'll bounce back. Penny, they will. and, and I think yep. I think what this also the virus has you know people that have been sitting on the lounge who love exercise been been chomping at the bit to come back mm. and yep. play. So I'm sure you know people who play at you know West Coast Futsal will be chomping at the bit to come back and yep. and start playing again for sure. Perth Glory Football Club, Oswest Fencing and Rod Iron and Gate and Fence Hardware WA. I know in the building industry it's been absolutely chockers and busy and throwing a few storms, broken fences, broken <laughs> gates. <laughs> it's been kind of crazy. You, oh, my did goodness. you cause that storm? No, I did not, but uh, we were already busy in uh, Gate and Fence Hardware because a lot of people were at home and they were doing fix-ups and renovating and yeah. Doing things themselves, but uh, also engaging handymen and across the building industry for the small renovations, filling up bins with this and that and whatever, and uh, you know cleaning out the spare rooms and storerooms and doing this and that so they can work from home. It's uh, been pretty amazing the last few months, but football is going to be jumping back into that space. I'm sure that busyness that was people working at home and doing all their home renovations will slow down a bit. Now people are getting back to work and they're concentrating on. You know, kids are at school and football starting again. So things will change. But, um, yeah, maybe I'll work a few less hours in the next couple of months than I did in the past few months, which will be appreciated, I can tell you. <laughs> but everyone, appreciate the business as everyone who is still in business in small business keeps the economy going and there's a lot of small businesses in Australia. So if you've been able to keep going in business and employ people, then that's been hugely, amazingly fantastic for this nation and that's what we need Government's helped a lot with that one. 
yay the government, they've done okay. The guests that we've got on the studio in on the on the um, football phones. program on the phones today, <laughs> yep, uh, John McKay from Bunbury Dynamos. He's the president of the Dynamos. They're back at training again. And a few things happening down there in the southwest. We'll talk to John about that shortly. John Coyne, father of some very amazing footballers. We'll have a chat to him. Molly Appleton, you may have heard of Molly's Football Rants. She's a young lady who lives in Tasmania and covers female or women's football and junior football uh, from Tasmania. She travels when she can and um, just does some amazing research about the game and just brings us up to date on the net with uh, our Australian footballers and where they are and what's happening. We'll have a chat to her. Simon Hill from Fox Sports will join us. Um, amazing things happening with Fox and football at the moment. Uh, we won't put Simon on the spot because we do want him to come back, but we have plenty of things to talk about, like the imminent return of the A-League, which uh, will take a bit of a different tax, but uh, we can have a bit of a chat about that. And, of course, the return of... Leagues around the world, which will put football on our TVs again and uh, probably get us waking up at some crazy time in the morning, especially if you're a Liverpool fan. <laughs> Not that I am, okay? <laughs> um, but it's just good to have uh, football happening again and have more to talk about in different directions. So we're going to go to a break and we'll come back and we will chat more football. This is Penn, Miranda and Louie on the World Football Programme. 107.9 FM, your local station. 107.9 FM. Hi, I'm Peter Skeeler. The world is a little different to us all right now. We may be learning to play football with our mates online keeping in touch by FaceTime and watching classic matches on Share TV. One thing that won't change is being able to listen to the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle. Your World Football team are here every Saturday from 10am to 12 noon. We appreciate your support and stay safe, Australia. We're all in this together. Hi, I'm Miranda Templeman. The world is a little different to us all right now. We may be learning to play football with our mates online, keep in touch through FaceTime and watch classic matches on Share TV. One thing that won't change is being able to listen to the World Football Programme on Radio Fremantle. Your World Football team are in the studio every Saturday from 10am to 12pm. We appreciate your support. Stay safe, Australia. We're all in this together.
Welcome back to the World Football Program. Penny, Louis and Miranda in the studio and football is officially back. There is a date. Phase three will kick in from June 6th, so it's not too far away when the current norms will be different norms, which is more like we expect it to be people on the park, people kicking a ball, um, more people in smaller areas enabling us to do things that are pretty much normal to us. Good morning, John. How are you? Good morning, Fanny. Good morning, Miranda. Good morning, Louis, and good morning, listeners. Good we are getting there. We're back on the pitch, hopefully. So yep. we'll just see what happens. Yes. Yes, yeah. So the, the, yeah. The big news is that Football West have released the competition dates, which means that the Phase 3, when it kicks in from June 6, um, will pretty much mean that we can uh, tackle and play our scratch matches at games. Matches will start from June 21. Competition goes right through to October, though, so... You kind of, uh, I know that with the um, COVID-19 thing, we all put everything on hold except uh, new survival mechanisms. So our usual season finishes August, September, but keep in mind that it's going to go through to October. And if you're still registered. But does that include finals? Cause, yeah. Mm. Yep. Okay, because so finals, finals normally um, are played in October, the first weekend. So uh, Yes. For so t- must be culling the com- competition a little bit. Uh, no cup competitions, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah. So there'd be the normal league and I'm not sure how many rounds. I haven't seen all of the details, but um, there'd be no, no promotion and relegation um, and just uh, like a f- final series right at the end of the competition. So I'm not really sure what format it will all take, but it means that's pretty much a four-month competition. And there's been a lot of work done, hasn't there, John, with um, all the sports associations to collaborate to get to this point because – you know, we're moving into someone else's space and then someone else's space is going to have to be modified for them to be able to do the same thing and and give their members some grass time as well. Yeah, it is a juggling act and I think um, we're just going to have to work with it. There'll be some changes as we go through. Whether we get a second stage come through, hopefully not, but um, I think all the good effort that we've done statewide is really showing and that we're ahead of the pack from where on the pitch before a lot of Australia will be, um, and we're just going to have to work with it. Um, I think most of the clubs will try and get out on the pitch as much as they can, but uh, saying that, even going into 2020, there was a lot of few clubs in the country that sort of had, you know, struggling to get numbers because of, um, you know, job-wise, economic downturn. This is going to be how many, pit, how many teams we can get out. I know that we've probably dropped one team, uh, one of our thirds teams, and... The ladies are probably just struggling to get their numbers to get onto the pitch, so it's going to be a trying uh, couple of games into the season. Into the season, we'll know where we're heading and how we're going for numbers. It'd be a juggle, but just out there and playing—that's the main thing. The social bonding again—that's uh, yeah. been the hardest thing with it. We haven't been able to like bond as a as yeah. a group. Mm-hmm. Apart from the old FaceTime and that sort of stuff, but uh, yeah, there's nothing it's something that's moving forward. There's nothing like being in the vicinity of someone else and looking someone in the eye and having a conversation. And like often happens here in our studio, we go into a conversation talking about one thing, and then five seconds later, someone said something and was distracted and going in an entirely different direction. And we don't talk about the thing that we originally meant to. And when you're face-to-face with people, having that coffee and lunch and whatever, you have that interaction and connection with people. And that's what you do. And that's what bonds people. Those things make people better friends and, and mates. So, you know, not having those kind of things has been really tough. It's 
like I was saying earlier with my girls at training, the first thing they did when they had their first training session was bound up to each other and want to give each other hugs, and they know they're not supposed to and do you it. Can't. <laughs> yeah, you can't hug. You know, there's probably one or two in the team who aren't the huggers, and they're the ones you can hug first. Yeah. <laughs> you can't. You just go, oh, oh no. <laughs> yeah. John, at, at Bunbury, have, um, was an option to play some games midweek as well? We have. There's been a, quite a bit of infrastructure work done with uh, venues with lights, so that's an option for the southwest being able to do that, uh, you know, spread it out and get some games done. But then you've also got to look at recovery times for your players. Yeah. So that's the other thing of, you know, we're trying to cram in into a season, into a shortened season, and hopefully come out the other end with everybody fit and healthy for the next season. Yeah, that's a really significant point too. I mean, we're t- pretty much in June now, and I think most of the councils would have released the grounds for clubs to train on. Uh, I think the longest ones I can think of have been the third week of training coming up. I know at Melville Mum FC uh, we're easing restrictions so that most of the grounds, maybe all of the grounds will be available from next week. Um, I haven't heard of any clubs that haven't yet started training, which is good. Um, But if we're talking a June start, that's only coming out of lockdown, so to speak. That's only a month maybe of training. So if you've not been doing a lot, um, like you know, you've been in survival mode as a senior player. You've been working rather than concentrating on your football. You've got to get your feet back on the park there and do the work. Trips, trips to Bunnings without the sausages and doing all those home <laughs> projects, doing that lifting and doing limestone block walls, so all those things that you put off for a season are getting done. So you're getting some home scores. But, yeah, uh, well, that's, that's, that's different we training methods, it. John. Uh, are yeah. you going to... Promote that on your website? I'm not sure that'll promote speed and uh, yeah, turning ability. But it's all about strength, Penny. <laughs> yeah. I think that's what I, John's I trying to say. Speed, I, I lost that <laughs> quite a few seasons ago. Yeah. So you mentioned about uh, night matches there, and I did notice in the blurb that's come out from Football West that, you know, one of the things that they're going to have to do to fit in competition is to have the, I think it was the men's NPL and the women's NPL and maybe first division in the men's state league, maybe have uh, midweek games and night games and then the juniors, mini-roos, uh, amateurs, masters maybe will be having usual times on the weekend. And, you know, if people didn't think that, you know, th- that would be affected, you know, COVID-19 would affect things in that way, they've got to really think outside the box because that means if they're working or the family commitments or whatever, then um, they're going to need to be rethinking how they're going to do their training sessions because we've got a game on that night. They'll be mm-hmm. training on different days possibly and it's a really out, outside of the box thing. But you really got to love your sport if you're jumping back in now. It's, uh, you know, a, a lot of things, training and games happening pretty quick over a short period of time. And, you know, I, I feel for everybody who's doing the same thing here, John, is that, I mean, you're president of the Bunbury Dynamos Club. There'll be possibly other sports wanting to use your space if they have to do things differently or if they've had to modify their season by making it shorter or longer or look outside of their boxes as well. Have you had that kind of experience yet? Well, we have a crossover anyway with cricket, so that's usually the the March, April, October, September, October sort of thing. So there's always been that crossover where we have had to have our away games to sort of start our season off, no real pre-season games, being able to get on the pitch. But working with them, it's pretty always been a good relationship that we've had and it's a flexibility that we're going to have to try and find and work with. 
Yeah. I know speaking about those night games, the discussions were had early with the association with Phoenix going across into the Sunday League, uh, that they were trying to do any games down here as a Saturday night. And then we'd work on the back of that by having some games, uh, a normal Sunday uh, men's league game there. So we'll make a bit of an event there. So some of the clubs like Bumber United and Exmoor Hope Park, they can run a canteen if we can run canteens, which is the other question of can we run canteens or not, that we can make some funds there. So I think as a small group associations and groups and clubs, we need to work together and, and try and somehow, I think it's on the square to raise some funds for the season because there's sponsors out there who aren't there anymore yes. who may not come back. So mm. that is the other thing we've got to look at is the long-term, whether state, local, federal government have got to look to helping, supporting us because we are doing that social service out there and it costs costing a bit to, uh, to run a club. You're right. When you say social service, it sounds kind of, um, I don't know, a bit... Non, non-passionate and emotional it doesn't really reflect that we play football because we love it and we might have um, a mum who helps in the canteen, father who might be refereeing the kids and then two kids playing on one pitch and another pitch, you know, this whole family thing. But yet we do it as keeps us fit, keeps us uh, yeah. with mates and, you know, all those kind of things the government loves, of course, because if we're healthy, we're not a burden on the health system. And, you know, there's a lot of committee messages going out there mm. from the government at the moment about, you know, doing the right thing and being healthy and being mentally aware and all, and all that. So you're right, uh, social service, football, I never quite thought of it in those terms. But, uh, yeah, if, if we're all out there playing sport, we're using facilities that the government is paying for and maintaining for us and we're doing something we love as well. And I, I think, John, mm. in that, volunteers really need to step up at this point, you're right, if there's sponsors jumping out, and, you know, I know Mum FC, it's been really hard to catch a sponsor. I mean, we use public grounds, and as a public ground, we we can't put major sponsors up because there's other sports and groups that use that same ground. So that becomes difficult, and we have a massive volunteer workforce like in mini football. We might attract 1,500 to 2,000 people in a morning down at the grounds, and wow. that's that's massive mm. at one ground. That's a lot of people. Yeah, oh, yeah. my God, the sausages are flying out the door. <laughs> yeah, forget bunnies. <laughs> uh, John, what's the situation in Bunbury? Because my understanding in the past, uh, was it yourself or the Phoenix that used to own their own ground? Um, they're all council-owned grounds. Okay. But uh, it's now moving across to being of the facilities. Right. I know Phoenix and Hay Park, they, they rent, they pay for everything. Yeah. And United, yeah. they've got their own club rooms. We're in the process of sort of... Doing the same? Hopefully getting our club rooms demolished and rebuilt to a, a, a better standard. We've only got the two change rooms. We want to go to four. Now they want to go to six. So we're uh, mm. working down that space. So then we've had who pays for what. A ground higher ground usage. So, well, I thought you would get natural demolition down there. It's always windy and stormy <laughs> in Bunbury. So well, it, I, thought... I went and I went and checked the other day, and still it, standing. Held up for over fifty-four <laughs> years. Um, a couple of big trees there. We've lost some big branches off them, um, and uh, that's only damage. So it's held up otherwise. You know, the grass is growing pretty well, which has been a benefit from from this, where the pitches have taken a couple of months of recovery. Yeah. Um, Storm-wise, it, whatever's built there has got to be strong enough to handle the weather and vandalism and that sort of stuff. So yeah. Every club's the same because it comes back to being the volunteers and everyone else trying to put in to find the funds to replace 
equipment that's broken, stolen or damaged. And, and down in Bunbury, do you get equal um, financial support um, as any other sport or do you, you feel that um, football doesn't get its fair share? I put my diplomatic hat on here. <laughs> <laughs> he said that very quietly, didn't he, like when Louis presented that scenario to you? <laughs> Well, I mean, it happens. It's been happening here in the metropolitan area. Um, You know, people try and skirt around it, but, you know, we've got to call a spade a spade. Mm. It it truly is. And now with the failure of some of these local papers, they used to thought was just always football and cricket. So they're going by the wayside, so there's going to be new media to take up from those. Um, We need to showcase the South West, and we're really lucky at the start of the year to once again host the girls for... For Glory, that was a great game, and they actually came across and, and uh, happy to walk around our pitch anytime. They're welcome down here. We love them down here. Uh, if we can get sport to come to Western Australia, and with Buxton Airport hopefully coming back online when the restrictions are there, we're going to get more people base here. The Premier League have already been into Perth a couple of times. So if you've got a couple of venues, Mandra. Rockingham, Bunbury, you've got an opportunity there to to really showcase what we can do on the ground. So when you talked about the upgrade of the facilities there, what what do you look what's the the end game for Bunbury Dynamos? Well, it'd be a bigger venue, uh, that we can actually probably hold our functions in and we've got had like 300 kids, juniors. We had it up to seven senior teams, which will be down to about four, five this year. So we've got quite a few numbers to uh, find a facility that we can all get together. And by saying that, we can also use that facility for other people in the community who can actually use it too. Um, it's 50, 50 odd years old. It's an old, basically two toilet blocks, and we joined in together with a club rooms and a small canteen. So we've weathered the storm. We had a medical issue with one of our girls who sort of cut a leg, our goalkeeper. We had to get the ambulance in there. We're trying to get a um, stretcher into the chat room. It's difficult. So we need to step up and sort of get a, a, a good medical room, somewhere where the refs can change. Basically, at the moment, they change you know, in like nearly a broom cupboard, which is probably fair enough at some stages, depending. But um, That's not nice. Oh. As a, you're talking to a former NSL referee over here. Um, the, the, the thing is, did you take advantage of the, the federal funding of upgrading uh, change rooms? Well, Louis, with it too, it sort of sat on the back burner for a little bit and it's been something that's been bouncing up over the last couple of years. And now I think with COVID, we've had some state funding from isolation, they're ready for it. And just working with council projects, I think now we missed on the sports federal stuff, but it's really come to a head now where local government and federal, there are some fundings out there, so it might get pushed up a bit further to the top of the pack. Whether it gets knocked down because hands Oval's up there is the AFL as well, so we'll just watch, but it's got a bit more interest, but we need to have somewhere where the change rooms, I looked at the drawings there, is a little bit small, well, they are small, so then they've come up with like three showers, which is okay, but three toilets in a change room. So you go, well, how many toilets do you actually need for a club? Well, being a toilet paper, there's, you know, 34 toilets in there. There's a lot of quite an expensive little 
club would have that. What's the demand on the facilities like in the Bunbury area, uh, for example? Is there uh, an overwhelming um, requirement from sports to use the same grass base or is, are they underutilised or give, give us an idea of how things they are? Get pretty, they, we get hammered with soccer season with the juniors with, uh, on the Saturdays. They're really, really, there's not much grass space on it. And then Sundays we've got uh, two to three games going at a time. We can have, and then CCJ, they're also there as well. Uh, summer, you've got cricket. Um, there's three full-size cricket pitches there, so that gets it gets a fair bit of use too. But saying that, there is also the opportunity for other ones to, you know, come in and use it for a short term. So we'd always be open to that, to helping other communities. Yeah, I think sports growing in the southwest. We've got a growing population. And it's harder to find uh, places to play. Public open space is getting closed down. You know, every time we go down, there's, there's you know five or ten people just walking their dogs around the paddock, getting fit. But we have to build something that's going to be useful and that ticks the marks for everything, for security-wise and for size and for what it's going to be. We want like the Glory Girls to come down and to be able to go look, look at this, and so they'll have more of their competition to sort of to say this is a, an Australian standard facility here where they're happy to come down. There's no excuse to say why they're playing in the country. Like Glory Girls will fly over Sydney or to Melbourne and to go to Newcastle, they jump on a on a um on a bus and it's a two hour trip up on the bus to go and play in Newcastle. Yep. So it, it it's you know, they'll fly to Bustleton, half an hour up to Bunbury, you're there. Yep. So before we let you go, it is the return of football for everybody. I'm pretty sure there's not anyone going to get left behind in the next uh, week or so as the competitions start to kick in. What are the messages from Bunbury Dynamos out to their members about the return to football? Contact your coaches. Sign up. <laughs> follow things. Social distancing. Just do the right thing and be smart about it because we still want to be around. We don't want any second ones on. But I would like to take this opportunity to, uh, at the start of the season, we actually did lose a legend down here, uh, Ron Moss. Yes. And Ron was, he was a tall. I would be love to hear Ron would have gone, had to say all these hmm. different scenarios he could have played out for how we would come out the other end here. So we're flying solo on that. And um, a lot of history was saved by Ron. And I'd just like to thank all the effort that uh, went out um, he put in for football in WA. He was one of a kind, wasn't he? He pretty much dedicated everything he had to uh, chronicling it, writing, presenting it. I, I was amazed that uh, you know, in his later years, he hopped on internet and spread the information like, um, like you know, fifteen and sixteen year olds get out there and get onto their social platforms and spread information. He got on there and did that, and it was great. Very interesting you know, fella to talk to. Yeah, well, we we got a um, – one of my hats is uh, John is at the chair of the Football Hall of Fame and we got a function next year. So uh, we make sure that his memory won't um, be lost to the football community because he's really deserving to be honoured. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, the women's football in WA, uh, he's got a lot of records there. He's going back like the 1920s. There's um, Manjimup and Collie. There's good ladies teams out there. 
the AFL is getting all the all the spotlight for for being inclusive. We've been inclusive for over a hundred years. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's amazing how we get pushed aside, but I mean, I think the rising of the Matildas are promoting that. So um, it's only going to uh, encourage more and more girls to uh, follow their heroes and uh, jump aboard. Oh, yep. they are just role models. We we absolutely love love them. There's been a few great uh, female footballers come out of the Bunbury area. Uh, Tash Rigby come out of the Bunbury area, didn't she? Margaret yeah, River. Tasha, Margaret River, okay. Tasha the Margaret River, yeah. yeah. And uh, she, uh, they did a little TikTok when they were down over the Dolphin Discovery. <laughs> <laughs> so that was good. That was good to see. That She's a Tash. ball of energy, Tash. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, we, we really, really appreciate the effort that the girls have put into uh, try and be part of the community here. And a lot of them are country girls. Mm. Yeah, yep. John has been great catching up with you. Thank you for joining us, and you sound very relaxed. So you obviously got everything under control there with Bunnings. Oh, Good job. Bunnings. Hopefully, I think is the next bit with no sausage. Yeah. So that's the <laughs> leave that for the club. Yeah, Good so I've got to get. I've, yeah, I actually do have to get in the club today some stage and uh, try and work out where everything is to get the dust of cobwebs off. And uh, that's it. Start cleaning. Get rid of All those right, cobwebs. Good on you, John. Have a great weekend. Anytime, Penny. Uh, nice to talk to you, Marina and Louis. Yeah, take care. See you, John. See you, bye-bye. See ya, bye. John McKay, who's the president of Bunbury Dynamos. Yeah, lick a paint, wash down the floors, get rid of the spider webs. There'll be some areas that haven't been used for a while. There'll be some busy bees coming up. As I'm saying that, I'd better watch out. There's probably going to be a busy bee coming up for my club at some point. <laughs> yeah, well, we did it last week. In the last few weeks, so yeah, bits and pieces need to be done and cleaned. And at Perth a lot of, Club, yeah, there was a lot of dust. Let, let me tell you, uh, cleaning windows, the stands, the a lot of the bushes, overgrown bushes are gone now. So yeah, a few bins full. Even uh, I think there was a fridge there back in the nineteen fifties. We ended up throwing out as well. So. <laughs> It could be an antique. You might have put it on eBay. That's what I said to them. Um, But, yeah, there's been a lot of, um, yeah, cleaning out and uh, space making because there was just a lot of things that, you know, people were hoarding. But nothing of historical value. I made sure of that pen other than the fridge. Good on you, Louis. (laughs) Yeah. um, Let's give a plug at this moment to the Hall of Fame. We've got a storage facility in which people have uh, very – um, generously donated. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> um, it, it's it's great. So, you know, as the kind of archive person, I've been um, you know, receiving things uh, like you know match programs and trophies and referees jackets and Scarves banners and, and all, all kinds shirts. of things. Yeah. And um, Bob Brown uh, of. Uh, Hall of Fame of many years and also owned a sports shop many years ago. Before yeah, sports Bobby, forum and Bobby's. he was also team manager of the state team yep. at, at one stage. So. so Bob's stepped up and he's going to, with his family, um, give us a bit of, bit better infrastructure inside the storage facility so that we can um, better organise all the things that are being donated. It's, and it's fantastic because, uh, you know, for me, my job is to catalogue all of it and um, that's no mean feat. And uh, doing yeah. a good job, Ben. Uh, we just got to get everything in there, and so you people who are generously donating appreciate that. And if I haven't got in contact with you, it's just because we've got to make the space so that we can put all these different shaped things into places, and that's where Bob's <laughs> job comes into it. But it's, it's interesting, though, that there's not a lot of female football stuff that's out there that's being donated, 
Um, That's okay. They they they're probably admiring their uh, their achievements. But you know, one day, I mean, and it's it's interesting. I, I remember ten years ago, um, a lady rang us, and her husband passed away, and he actually played for England, and he she had a whole ton of memorabilia that she wanted to donate and we just mm. told her you know just hang on to it until we've got the space and organize something so yep. i'm sure you're putting the word out there pen we might have to buy a whole building to <laughs> stop all this stuff so be careful <laughs> um because it, i'm sure that people have got a lot of memorabilia they would love to donate well, and the um, good thing is that it goes into the storage facility we organize it and we'll have functions and hopefully There'll be other people that will have functions like Football West or FFA or whatever. And then on, get on to a showcase. Yeah, it. and look, Optus Stadium might have a feature football match of an international team travelling. And, yeah, they say, wow, we would like to trace something like this. And we'll say, hey, we've got that. We've catalogued it. Nice big trophy shined up. All but good. we also need to promote the end goal is to have our own museum. So we a need. A West Australian Football Museum. Yeah. Yes. So. We do have a our prominent patron, Julian Burt, who's a big supporter of that. Yep. Um, so stay tuned. We're working on it. Yep. And hopefully it'll come to fruition in my lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Funny. This is Penny, Miranda and Louie on the World Football Program, back talking to John Coyne shortly. You're listening to Radio Fremantle 107.9. West Coast Futsal Association has social competitions at Hollywood Futsal Club in West Perth and the Mount Lawley Futsal Club. Competitions are open for new players looking for a kick around with mates from Monday to Friday. For those looking at higher level futsal, there is the Junior Leagues in carrying up on weekends and the Male and Female Super League competitions based in Subiaco. For more information, contact Brittany on 0481 881343. Gate and Fence Hardware WA is your hardware shop online. Find all the parts you need to fix, make and secure your gates and fences. Friendly staff and family offer advice to help your project along or order in your special part. Gate and Fence Hardware WA. Station Sponsor. Hi, I'm Louis Prospero, Chair of the Football Hall of Fame Western Australia. We're the first sporting Hall of Fame formed in Australia in 1996. The Hall of Fame recognises outstanding individuals in football in Western Australia. Join legends such as Sandra Brecknell, Julius Reed and Gareth Navin at our next Hall of Fame event to celebrate 25 years coming up in 2021. Find us on Facebook and on the web as the Football Hall of Fame, Western Australia keep up to date with events and regular stories from our team of journalists and committee members. The Football Hall of Fame, Western Australia, recognising the Western Australia football community.
I love that theme song behind that. Mm. When we went to the World Masters in New Zealand a few years ago, they played that to the 10,000-odd participants that had attended the closing or opening ceremony, I can't remember now, and it was booming through the speakers and it was absolutely inspiring in a sense. Shivers down my back to be <laughs> around so many people who love the sport just as much as what I did and congregated in one area. And that was just at the ceremony. There was like 24,000 people in Auckland at the time. It was mm. massive, lovely. Good morning, John. How are you? Uh, good morning. Uh, who am I speaking to? You're speaking to Penny and you've got Miranda and Louie here. How are you, John? Okay. Good, good, good Louie. Um, how are you keeping? Yeah, good to hear your voice. Uh, you've had a, a sterling career yourself uh, as a footballer and you went on to also uh, coach locally. Uh, I can see here that you were born in uh, Liverpool. <laughs> we can hear it too. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but, um, John, you, you, don't lose your, you don't lose your accent, do you? No, uh, and you've played pretty much all over the world and you played with some distinguished players over the years. Uh, I've, I've, had, I've had a good career, to be honest. Uh, yeah, be, been very lucky, to be, to be honest. Lou. I've um, played with some good players and uh, some bad ones as well. <laughs> well, you played with one of the world's best. Tell us about it. Um, you were sad. A Brazilian, a Brazilian guy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a toss-up between him and George Best, I reckon. But, um, yeah, we'd go, go, with, go with Pelle. I was, I was lucky enough to... To go on what they call the World Tour, which started in uh, South America and then moved to Jamaica, and then we went through the back to towards Sweden, finished where we finished up. Played against uh, in where was it? Rome. Played in Rome, where there was a bloody big crowd there. <laughs> and scored a goal. I pushed Pelé out the way, and he took. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> a scouser wouldn't do that, would they? Yeah, hell yeah, I was the only chance they had. <laughs> I didn't score too many, though. So, so are you saying, John, that you were playing with the New York Cosmos and they went on a world tour? Yes, and they were. They he started off in um, South to Europe. Uh, about four of games that we played there in a couple of big stadiums. I think it was just because it was uh, obviously with the big draw card and he played, he started his career and played in the World Cup there. So it was uh, it was good. Yeah. How'd you find Pele? Fond memories. How'd you yeah. find Pele? Because some of these uh, world champions, uh, some of them tend, tend to be a bit uh, recluse, keep to themselves. Some, you know, uh, like to mix and socialise. How did you find him as a person? Um, he was brilliant, to be honest. He was really good for me. Help, helped me get along into the team because I was a, a newcomer sort of thing. So he, he was really good. It, away from the press, he was just like anybody else. And, um, and, the... and then he didn't go on that tour, actually. <laughs> Because he, he smacked me the very first session. Oh. I, tried to, I tried to kick him. I tried to tackle him from behind, and he just put his hands out. And I realised how strong he was when he hit me in the in the ribs. I, I told my grandkids down, but they, they don't believe me. They broke my ribs at the first training session. I, 
how good will that have been? Yeah, well, I mean, he, he, he copped a few kicks along the way as well, that, especially against uh, that game in Hungary in the World Cup. As it was oh, well mate, it was, uh, he was, he was, well, they were, they were, um, they were after him, weren't they? Yeah. He, he used terrible. to get kicked by everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and, and that's what, why the good players were, they can defend themselves as well, don't worry. Yeah. And where, where did you play with um, George Best? Yeah, yeah. Was, Which team? Was, Which was he in the Cosmos as well with you? Who's that? George Best. Oh, no, George Best was in. Uh, was playing in America with a dif- different team. And um, he actually, I actually played with him when, when he came over here because of the club I was playing with, uh, Gallup. Yeah, uh, Osmond uh, Park Gallup, yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, Austin Park. I loved Dick Holden, and Paul then brought him out, and he was uh, not the same player he was when he was younger, obviously, but still turned it on here as well. Uh, I played him, and I went back to England in pre-season, uh, uh, post-season US, and went and uh, played four games for Stockport County, and that was his comeback, sort of, in in England. He, he played four games, and... <laughs> He scored from a corner with his first kick. <laughs> like, As you <laughs> do. George, yeah. Uh, and he do, he done exactly the same here. And uh, he scored with his first touch and took the mickey out of everybody, really. So he was that good, wasn't he? And did you, so, were uh, you at the game in uh, October in 1979 at the uh, Sydney showground when the Cosmos played Australia? Who was that? Yeah, I was. I was on. I was in the squad that day. Yeah. Yeah, I was in the Australians. Just didn't get get picked. I'm still mad that that uh, got left out the squad. To be honest, and uh, I was spewing. Yeah, I mean, I, I was there. <laughs> I was there that night, uh, John, and and I recall it was actually a lockout. People were trying to jump the fence to get in to watch the game. I mean, it was. Incredible! The atmosphere it was, was unbelievable, electric, wasn't it? yeah, and yeah, unbe- unbelievable. And the the the, uh, the cherry on top of the cake was Australia beat them, <laughs> right? So, yeah, and, and I, I I was only sixteen at the time, and I I, I was buzzing for the next couple of weeks because it was just fantastic atmosphere, fantastic game. France Beckenbauer was playing for right. Cosmos at the time, um, and. Everybody went to see what we thought that, you know, it's going to be a, a showcase game and here we go again. Mm. But Australia turned it on that night and we beat them. I mean, what was really good enough like a, as a coach that you found? Yeah. Well, the, um, do you want to say that again? Ru- Rudy Goodenough. He was the coach of Australia at the time. Uh, you went on a yes, Chinese he- tour with him. We did, yes. That was, um, that was interesting. <laughs> First team to go back into China was good. No, honestly, it was good. He was, he was different, but he was good with the players. Very um, tactical, yeah. wasn't he, John? Very tactical with very, his... very, very tactical, very astute. Yeah. I mean, stupid things he do. Like he made us like get off the coach halfway uh, to a trip and walk around the bloody football uh, park. Or we were in the car park one day, and he said. Run around the car park for a warm up. <laughs> the players are looking at him and thinking, Are you stupid? <laughs> uh, he was just, he was, but he was just different. Just yeah. really, really different. But he, but he had great ideas, football wise. Yeah. 
Yeah. He well, got, it sounds like he did if he, he got the, results. Yeah, that's right. Who were some of the Australian players in that squad that played against the Cosmos, John? Yeah. There was Jimmy Rooney. Um, I'll help you out. Jimmy, yeah, uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Rooney. Uh, my father actually rented him a house in Sydney, so yeah. that's how I know Jimmy. <laughs> uh, Kenny Bowden yeah. from WA. Is he Kenny Bowden? Who's he now in Western Australia? He played in that Kenny, squad. Yeah, Ken, Kenny Bowden. What a player he was. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, um, yeah. excellent uh, marksman. And the players in the Cosmos squad was Pele in that squad? No, he wasn't. Okay. That, that was uh, after his time. I mean, could you imagine if Pele came that? I mean, that would have been on top of the rafters, you know. <laughs> that's, that, that's, that's true. Uh, there was many... Carlos Alberto. You're asking who yep. was in that squad. Yep. Carlos Alberto, who um, was one of the big uh, name players then. Uh, the Australian players, uh, Greg Woodhouse, he played a, a lot of the time for Australia in, in goals. Tony Henderson played. Yeah, Tony the... Henderson. Greg, Greg played. Greg played with me when I went down to play in Sydney for um, Apia. Apia Leichhardt, yes. That's right, yeah. No, that was, my, that was my team in New South Wales, Apia. Um, oh, yeah, well, for obvious, I, obvious I, I reasons, moved, John. Yeah, uh, Italian. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, the, uh, no, they were really good to me, to be honest, and they, they, they looked after me, no problem. Yeah. Uh, when I moved down to Sydney, I didn't want to go to Sydney, but it was... Uh, because you were in I Brisbane for a hand. while, weren't you, John? Brisbane for a, a time. I was at Brisbane, yeah, really happy. I was born there, played a few games. We won, a, we won the actual first, uh, the team. Brisbane City was Italian as well, to be honest. But Saro in there, Saro Ayazelli played with us. Yeah, the local lad. from here. Yeah. Oh, yeah, local lad here. And uh, we, we had a few Italians and, in the team and, we actually won the first at what was called the Phillips Cup, which is the FA Cup. That's right, yeah. Uh, version of us, yeah. And so I was happy there and then got told I had to move to Sydney virtually. Otherwise, my uh, soccer career was over. Uh, it's a shame. So, yeah. uh, well, it was good, but in one way, because it worked out for, for me, it was like you signed for happy or, or, or nobody. Wow. Well, what told me, yeah. yeah. No, 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 it's good. And it's a good ground, old Lambert Park. I mean, it's uh, small and nice and intimate with the crowd getting pretty much close to the action. It certainly was. It was used to get good crowds. And we, uh, because they were big rivals with the Olympic and that, and the Greeks were just down the road. So there was a... There's always big crowds at, at, at them games. I'm, I'm, I wish we could get, get, get back now. Well, John, just just give us an idea of the crowds that you would get to the games back then, like the size of the stadium, 10,000, 20,000, um, and were they packed all the time? They were always packed. It wasn't, um, um, was wasn't 20,000 there unless it was a big stadium, but the likes of uh, Appy versus um, Sydney Olympic or Marconi, there was always a big crowd. Yeah. And uh, even with Brisbane City, they, there was always like a big Proud if we went and played up there at Marconi. So it, it, Marconi was the sort of go-to team when I was sort of moving. We had all the money, and then then what you call Sydney Court came in, and you know what happened after that. They bought all the best players, so like Sigazi and KB and all of them. 
Uh, so it was it was good good time for Australian football, as as Lou uh, said. There we we were we were a good good bunch of players and a good uh, good football family. To be honest, well, quality players in those football. days too. You know, I remember Baumgartner as well, who played. Um, but you know, there's also rivalry with Harcoa, uh, St George Budapest. You know, the, these these clubs. They, and they bought a lot of quality players from overseas, John. Where did they get the money did. from? Was it full crowds? Oh yeah, the the crowds the crowds were big. There was crowds and and there was pokies in every club. Oh. <laughs> there was no there live was games poke, in those poke days. Machines, uh, and there was uh, and there was a uh, blue and no they, at the at the Apex, they brought a few Italian boys in and they said that's your that's your pokey that's your pokey <laughs> whatever comes out of that you can have it was funny really the um. <laughs> Yeah, and the, the, and, the, and the income stream in New South Wales uh, is completely different to clubs yeah. here. I mean, you, like John just said, you know, you, you have these clubs. You had entertainers come to these clubs uh, where people will watch shows and they they would get that income stream. And but you know, the poker machines are the ones that really generate the income. Unfortunately, yeah. but that's the way it, it is over there. Yeah. Yeah, so so John, uh, we can't let you go without saying a, a big congratulations. You have two pretty amazing football sons in Jamie and Chris. Um, Chris Coyne, of course, being um, at Bayswater these days, has been there a few years now. But um, Football West have been rolling out their state teams in the women's, juniors, and the seniors. So in the current squad that's being released by Football West, they've got the junior. Um, boys or junior male team and the the squad is like this. I don't know who the coach is, but the squad is like this. The goalkeeper was Tony Franken. The defending group was Trent Sainsbury, Josh Risden, Galloway and Chris Coyne. And the midfields were Brandon O'Neill, Ryan Edwards, um, Richard Garcia. I'm smiling because the forward line is um, uh, Taggart, Rukovica and uh, Alistair Edwards. So you can see there's two similar names in there, Alistair Edwards and Ryan Edwards. In the same damn team. Yeah, it's amazing. We, yeah, we we were lucky with, with some of the players who've had come through the system here. Yep, we've had good players. To be honest. Yep, yep. Yeah. I, I don't know who the coach is. Anyone know who the coach is? If anyone knows who the coach is, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll put my hand up for that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you were a, a, a quite prominent coachy um, in the state league, uh, John, um, and you, you you had success as well. Yeah, I was. Pretty lucky with the the. I took over the uh, Perth Italia side and sort of had some good players in there. And when Chris was playing with Peter Cocci and the Carbonis and Darcy and Stewie Mose and that sort of lads, mate, we had a good team to be honest. Didn't and, lose for uh, <laughs> two seasons. And did uh, you find good. was that due to the fact of the uh, the development um, that was provided to them of the day, John? A little bit, a little bit of the. Uh, I brought a lot of the them players in from other places, like uh, Robbie, and and then and said, and said um, you know, you're going to play, and like Peter Cochi would have got in any team, you know, but and the Carbonis, what can I say about them? They were just unbelievable. We had some good players at play, playing here in Perth. Yeah, at, at every club, to be honest. And we seem to hone in on goalkeepers as well. We've had great goalkeepers in the state. Yeah. They've gone to Unbelievable, play. isn't it? If you go through the list. Yeah. 
Well, we've got one in the making in the studio here, we do. so yeah. Ho- hopefully, uh, she'll remember us when yeah. she's at a peak. Hang on, where were you born? Was it in the Spearwood area? Um, I was born at Adderdale Hospital. Oh my God! Because like all the goalkeepers I can think from Western Australia um, are from the Spearwood area. Yeah, we we said that to Robbie yeah. Zabiki the other day. Yeah. Was well, it something in the fruit and veggie down there? You know, <laughs> good soil. <laughs> well, don't, don't worry, we've got another one coming through in the coin family. It's just signed with the glory. Oh, um, fantastic! Uh, Tell us about him. He's, he's a goalkeeper. He's thirteen. He's about six foot three. He's got a great left peg. Don't know what he's doing in goal, the bastard. <laughs> <laughs> where would you be playing, him, John? It. If you were the coach, where would you I be playing? Uh, no, yeah, but it's um, he's he's a goalkeeper. And he's he has really come on the last couple of years and uh, only started goal about 12, twelve months ago. What's his name, John? Liam. Liam. Okay. He's the youngest of the of uh, Chris's lads. Yeah. Okay. Well, Thirteen, but he's about six foot already. So. Well, wow. there's he, something he in the soil at your house future, as well, yeah. John. <laughs> I'll, have to get, I'll have to get Tommy or R- Robbie to look after him. Yeah, well, you've got plenty of experience here for him to tap into. That's for sure. Mm, yeah, but they've got, they've they've got them down for glory down doing the right sorts of things and the right goalkeeping, and they've got some good coaches down there as well. So, yep. Well, John, it's been fantastic having a chat to you this morning. Thank you for sharing your memories with us and your time today. Appreciated. Oh, okay. okay. Say, say, say hello to everyone for me. We will do. Right, take care, John. Thank you. See Thanks. ya. See, see you soon. John Coyne, legend in Australian football. Played well, for some pretty amazing well football, people. it sounds. Yeah. He's been all over the place. And, uh, you know, people like that who's just camped in our backyard you know, you just wonder why his knowledge is not tapped into more mm. and the experience that he's had in, you know, just development techniques for the young kids, what he's learnt. I mean, played with the world's best player at the time. I thought it was really interesting how <laughs> he gave it to... Um, Pele. Uh, no, no, uh, uh, Rudy Goodenough, is that how you say his surname? Yep. Um, he was in the squad. Slut gets to play for the Australian squad. We didn't think much of the coach. <laughs> well, no, that's not what he said. He okay, said he okay. had. Uh, he said his methods had, were a bit unusual. Yes. Yeah. Okay. But fine. he was getting the results, and he didn't. He didn't get to play, so he's a bit uh, dark. Well, on about, the Cosmos, uh, yeah. Team, yeah, against Cosmos, but but maybe he was thinking. Well, he played for the team. You know, is there a bit of conflict of interest yeah. there? But you know, like he said, he was selected to play in the China, China tour which he actually did come on and actually play. Uh, so, mate, uh, those would have been wonderful memories at the time to be caught up in that vacuum yep. of uh, playing against the world's best. I mean, George Best, you know, if you talk to any British person, mm. they would have paid hundreds, even thousands of dollars to go and watch him play. Yep. So, uh, Dave Kindness is listening in. Good morning, Dave. Yes, we are returning to football. Lots more to talk about these days. Thank you for listening. We are going to go to a break and come back and chat more football with Molly Appleton from Molly's Football Rants very shortly. This is Penn, Miranda and Louie on the World Football Program. Thank you, everyone, for listening in. Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM. Do you want better strata management? Put Prosperity Strata Management at the top of your list. We provide a flat competitive fee with no extra or hidden charges. 
we provide value for money repairs with contractor prices reviewed regularly and we provide prompt professional service with 30 years experience which is why our clients recommend us your property is our concern see prosperitystratamanagement.com.au station sponsor oh give me land lots of land under starry skies above don't fence me in Auswest Fencing and Rotiron. Are you looking to build or replace your gates or fencing? The Auswest team can offer four generations of advice, materials and kit assemblies for your unique fence and gate project. We specialise in colour bond, aluminium, steel and timber gates. Check out our galleries at auswestfencing.com.au That's A-U-S-W-E-S-T fencing.com.au my name is Mohammed El Mabani. I'm a coach at Punchbowl United Football Club and I coach and assist with three teams. Ever since I was seven years old, I've loved football and it's more than a t- it's like family. Not just as in there, you're a teammate. Like, you're my best friend, I got you, I've got your back, whatever you need, I'm supporting you. You carry that chemistry throughout the whole season, throughout the life and... Outside soccer as well, we're always together. I coach and assist with the under-14 girls, and for them, I mean, I've talked to them about this before. Imagine if we had the World Cup in Australia. Coach, they'll be amazing. They'll be so awesome. He puts a lot of dedication into the mind, saying that I can do this, and I'll be there, and I wish to be there. And us Australians supporting Australia in our own country, it will be unreal. Get outside Australia. Yes, the Women's World Cup bid is coming closer to its conclusion. Voting is happening very soon. In fact, is it this month, I think, the voting is happening. And Molly, good morning. It's looking really good for Australia right now, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, Definitely. I think we're in pole position at the moment. Um, It's it's really exciting. It's starting to hit me lately, so it's it's good. I've got a good feeling. <laughs> I'm glad, I'm glad. Maybe the promotion of having it in Perth and Tasmania because we're quite isolated, so <laughs> there's not a lot of uh, corona around our place. <laughs> yeah, you have to start saving your pennies. It's a bit of travel, I reckon. Mm. But, uh, yeah, the isolation. Yeah, even with the home one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah the, the isolation thing is, you know, something that we've in the past hated about Australia in the in the travel thing, but man, it's just right up there in the value stakes at the moment. And but it's a joint bid, isn't it, with yeah. New Zealand? Zealand yeah. So there you go. I think uh, yep. I think we've got a very good chance if that's the case. Mm. Yep. But who, who? What are the other countries that are bidding? Um, I'm pretty sure Japan's in the mix. Last time I heard. All right, they've got too many viruses. Yeah, and, <laughs> and what other countries? I'm not sure. I have to look it up. Come on, Molly, you'd know this off the top of your cuff, oh, surely. I should know it. Oh, oh come no, on! I put you on the spot, Molly. Sorry know, about that. I know that. Chili's definitely. I know Chili's definitely. I'm pretty sure Chili's in the mix for it. Right. Uh, for, I'm. Um, I'm pretty sure that there would be no one else in the world that oh, has Brazil as good stats Columbia, as us. Sorry. Yeah. I've got the things. There's Australia, New Zealand, Brazil, Colombia and Japan. Yeah. Oh, then we well, given all list. given all the stats for the current situation, we've Brazil's got to be... got no chance. No, we, <laughs> we just... And look, is there, Molly, is there a reason that we would not get a World Cup here in Australia now? Um, I think the only one is the complication with Asia and Japan and Australia both being in Asia 
with the votes the way they are and how that sort of... Yeah, politics, eh? Because, you know, it, going around around France and, and looking at the stadiums that I attended that the Matildas play, <laughs> there, should be, there should be no reason why we can't um, get... We've got the stadiums. Mm. We've got the facilities. You guys keep chatting. So, I'm going to get yeah. Molly back on the line. So yeah. we, we should have the, the opportunity and with the development of the Matildas and the young Matildas, mm. uh, Miranda, what's your feeling? Yeah, definitely. I think um, when we were going around um, the Pacific and Thailand, we had the film crew with us and they always said, you know, what's the future hope for your team? And everyone was saying, players here, they want to be looking to make the 2023 World Cup. And I think if you get the home bid, it just motivates players that extra mile because there's absolutely nothing better than playing for your country on home ground yeah. in front of your family, in front of your friends. So I think... Um, that motivation will kick for young players, for okay. players in the current squad to keep their spots um, and it will just serve as a really good incentive for players to keep working hard. And what do you think, you know, from a development point of view that we need to get to to get to the American level? Yeah, I think um, the way we're going, just kind of putting more emphasis onto the um, more emphasis onto the women's game, really, and especially the development side of things. And I think... Um, you know, when you have people following the Junior Matildas, you know, we've had, I think our team was the first team to finish fourth since um, Sam Kerr when she was playing Junior Matildas. So you can see you've got the players coming up, but you just really have to nurture them and make sure you keep an eye and no one slips through the cracks and that's how you keep developing good teams. Molly, are you back with us? I'm back with you. Yes. (laughs) And I totally agree with what Miranda was just saying. Very good. Yeah, I think... In, in my observations uh, of the women game, I think we need the the, the bit more mongrel that um, Ellie mm. Carpenter's got. Yeah. Oh, do you know I that? Mean, I, I remember her. Tom Samani said that actually when he was coaching the Matildas. There you go. I said, "What do you think the Australian style is, Tom?" And he goes, oh, the mongrel style. Mm. Like they just get out there and they give it a go and they don't stop." I'm like, "That is actually a style, but okay, mm-hmm. yeah." Yeah, I mean, and and look at Timmy Cahill. You know, he had no fear, that man. You know, mm-hmm. he, he would go in, a, a ball would be crossed in and you could see he was honing in on that ball. Mm-hmm. If there was a guy there, it didn't matter. He never backed out of a challenge. Mm-hmm. And I saw that uh, firsthand with Ellie Carpenter. You know, the Brazilian girls was not going to get past her mm-hmm. and she was so determined. And once she won the ball, fed it to the midfield, you know, I was tired just watching her running <laughs> up and down that wing. She was unbelievable. Yeah. She, for me, Australia, I mean, I know some of them, are, you know, the ones who put the ball in the back of the net are the ones seem to get the limelight. But she, for me, mm. for, for uh, Matilda's player, she was a player of the tournament for me, yeah. Australia, uh, for Australian player. Yep. I'm not sure your views on that, Molly. What do you reckon, Molly? Um- Oh, look, I think that it's a tough tournament to gauge, I think, um, from the World Cup. Are we talking about? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a tough tournament to gauge. I think Carpenter was very good, but um, I think defensively there's things which she showed against with City. She was a lot better. I think she was a lot better for City than she was during the World Cup, I thought, personally. I thought she was brilliant for City this season. Um, I think the World Cup, obviously her first World Cup, I think there's still defensive things, and that's also the structure of our defence. Our defence was weak across across the park. You know, mm-hmm. you can't really say we had a strong 
tournament defensively, we kept getting caught caught out too often. Yes. Um, so, you know, I think she's a player that, you know, I'd love to see in the next World Cup in the top 11 um, in the team of the tournament. You know, I think she's got that potential. She showed that for City this season. Not sure I'd call her my player of the tournament, but, yeah. She's, she's young. She's in that group, and we are talking about, you know, identifying players and then developing them. How do you think after what we've been through the last couple of months and then um, kicking back into competition again, yeah, we've got to review a lot of things, haven't we? Um, we've just heard that the A-League is going to kick back in um, and finish the season. Um, that'll be the 2019-20 season. And then they've got to think about what's going to happen for their next season. And the W-League is supposed to kick in somewhere, somewhere around the next couple of months. How's that going to look, Molly? Yeah, um, I really hope that in the next couple of months, soccer across the board can be a bit bold. Um, I think with everything stopped, it's sort of a good chance to have a look and see how all the different competitions work with each other. Um, most most states have NPLs or statewide statewide competitions, and how that feeds with the W League. And you know, it would be we bang on about this every season of longer. W League season, and maybe this season could be a good time to start with um, the NWSL will only be playing a month, so any of that clash sort mm-hmm. of won't be there, particularly as prominently as usual. Um, so, yeah, I think I'm not sure. I've got no idea. I haven't got the foggiest what it will look like <laughs> at the moment. All just hopes and dreams pinned on the back of a door, door hoping it happens one day. Um, Well, we've got to look at what's happening right now is that we don't have our borders open. Mm -hmm. So we've got some pretty amazing players that would potentially come and play in the W League, not here, maybe not able to get here. Mm -hmm. So um, their competitions like Sam Kura over in England, their uh, Super League's been cancelled. They're having a mini competition over in America that's going to go over a four-week like period, like a hub kind of system. Um, there'll be Australian players over there. Um, so there'll, there'll be football being played at some point, but maybe just it won't look the same here for our W League. And, and I haven't heard any rumblings at all about how our W League is going to commence, when it's going to commence, how it's no. going to look, if it's going to be a hub. I haven't heard anything at all. But the, 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 out of the negative, you've got the positive. If, if you can't get the international players coming here to play the W League... We can identify some younger players. Absolutely. Like what about yeah. all the young girls who think, well, okay, here, here we go. Yeah. I've got an opportunity now that I didn't have before uh, because I've been shunted out by these other international players. Now it's my opportunity to shine. Well, I think too that the financial viability of the league, and I read somewhere, and it kind of hit a nerve with me, is that uh, you know a lot of football, female football, is amateur, and there's a lot of volunteers, and a lot of people do it for their passion. Um, so then, you know, if Sam Kerr might get paid a million dollars um, per year. Um, but there's not too many players that will get paid a million dollars a year, mm-hmm. you know, female. So um, there'll be you know one million more females that will maybe you know, half as good as Sam and progressing that don't get that money, that play just because they love it Mm. and they'll play anywhere. And, you know, these might be the players, Molly, that are in the W League or potentially going to step up and play in the W League that the financial considerations are not first and foremost in their mind. They just want to have an opportunity to play football at that level against other players Mm. in other states if that's how it works out. What do you think about that, Molly? Yeah, I completely agree. Um, And that also feeds the argument that the season at the moment is too short to really um, 
to really mm-hmm. develop those young players. You know, it takes a good five, six, seven games for a young player to sort of find their feet. You saw that with uh, Western Australian, Hannah Lowry. You know, she took a few games and then she had that brilliant game against Newcastle Jets where, you know, I'd been banging on about her for a while and <laughs> the commentators finally coming on board. And I'm like, yeah, see, here we go. <laughs> But, but if you think about it, Molly, I mean, if, if we're talking about 10, 15 years ago, there was no W League. Mm. I mean, it, it's it's still in, in its infancy. It's growing. It's developing. It's getting into people's psyche. And that's it takes time for something like this to to generate. And once it has and it gets um, gets the foundations and it's embedded in people's minds and they start to come out and support it, then you'll find – that you the the money will come because I mean, you know, if you talk to uh, uh, Colette McCallum and all these other players in the past who have played, they were getting peanuts, yeah. right, compared to what some yeah. of the ladies are getting now. So it starts from zero. And if you said to Colette, look, you know. If we didn't pay you, would you play? She would have said absolutely. Of course. So yeah. it's just the love of the game. You, you put your head down, your backside up, you work hard, you develop yourself, you try and be the best player that you can, and if you get the financial fruit at the end of it, that's a bonus. Yeah, mm. absolutely. And I, and I think that's the what the mindset should be. Well, I, I think that that's how it still is for a lot of women's football and I don't know, Molly, you can jump in here, but it might be easier for women's football to restart because of those reasons because the sponsors and the financial considerations and the resources needed aren't so great as all of those ones that dictate male football starting, the sponsorship and the media rights and the Mm -hmm. access to this and having to sanitise all of that. And Oh, my God, there's just a lot of things to consider that aren't we just want to play football. Mm. What do you reckon? Yeah, I think, you know, we're we're pretty used to playing on a shoestring budget, aren't we? <laughs> um, so I think definitely, I think money's not almost a non-issue in women's football in terms of, of course we want more, but the financial crisis isn't going to hit us nearly as hard as some of the other bigger clubs. Um, I think there's, like you've mentioned, um, it's built on volunteers and they're not going to disappear. We're not going to disappear anytime soon. Um, and I think, you know, you ask most of the players, I would say, in the W League, and, you know, they're there for the love of the game. They're not there to get their 1000 bucks a week and mm-hmm. thanks very much or whatever, how much it is. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, like it's already there. I just, I just think that if we were bold with, Expanding the league, whether it stays in the same format, we're we're a lot older than um, the NWSL. We're a lot older than the revamped English leagues. We're a lot older than a lot of the leagues in the world that have turned fully professional or even more semi-professional and have a longer season. So it's sort of almost time for Australia to be like, hey, we're already here. We've got the foundation here. We have clubs. We have you know history. We're building. Let's build more. Let's you know take that next step, especially, you know, we want to stay a top 10 nation. To do that, you have to build at home a bit, especially in Australia where we are so isolated. We can't be like the Netherlands. Well, this is interesting. You you just brought up a really good point then. If our better players are leaving to go and play in leagues around the world, then they're not here working together in team 
I mean, think of some of our W League teams, they have a lot of Matildas in them. Mm. So they then get selected to play for the Matildas and they already know how. That team chemistry. Yeah, there. yeah. absolutely. And we've talked about the Socceroos where the Socceroos are playing in different places around the world and then they have to come together and then they have like a week or two weeks before a tournament or to try and get that chemistry and bond and get the coaching strategies across it. And it's complicated. So women's football kind of is progressing in that same manner really when we think about it because we we can think of some of our really good players in different places around the world and we have to bring them together or go and have a camp somewhere over Europe or America or, or whatever it is. And I just wanted to move on to that um, free-to-air football, this is where W League has landed mm. in the last couple of years. So it's on ABC. ABC yeah. Yep. So we don't really have a whole lot of, you know, money in you know, the broadcasting rights and, and whatever else we have to argue to put it to air. Um, if we had a hub system, Molly, like the A-League are proposing and we had mm-hmm. all of our W-League teams, even Perth Glory, travel somewhere for uh, you know, a six-week period and they played two games a week or an eight-week period and, and did it, would that satisfy you? Um, I think a hub system would be good or even just like an ant up um you know, cup sort of thing similar to what the NWSL has where it's, you know, 30 games, if that's all we can get them for. But um, you also sort of look at it and hope that with our numbers, borders will start opening by, what, September, October, when the league will start. Um, but definitely, you know, anything anything to get football happening, anything mm-hmm. to sort of give us all a taste of national competition, really. Um I think yeah. everybody should come here to Western Australia, though, actually, because it's pretty much <laughs> the safest place in the entire we're, universe. We've gone, we've gone two weeks. How far are you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So how, how would you feel as a player, Miranda, if you were told, you know, uh, if you were selected in the Glory Squad, say, mm. okay, now you've got to go to Coffs Harbour, you've got to spend six to eight weeks there. Um, what's your feeling? Yeah, I think um, really players would be happy to do anything at the moment to just be on the park uh, playing for their city, playing for glory. Distance education. Yeah. (laughs) Um, You know, there is a lot of young players and if you're not getting players from the international systems, you know, American players, your players back from England, then you will be relying on a lot of Mm -hmm. youth players, um, which does mean just as education and um, managing time away from your family, which can be difficult for young players. Um, But I think... You know, young players, they just want to be on the park, take any opportunity they can get, really. But on that side of things, that some great teams have come from good bonding. So mm-hmm. yeah. players bond, and if you're forced in that environment for six to eight weeks, you have mm. to live together, eat together, uh, train together, yep. and end up playing. Uh, if you, you got that gel, mm. some of the best it's been said many, many times, yeah. you know, a team of champions not, not always win, you know. It's a champion team that yeah. wins. Yeah. So you can have the best player, two best players in the world, but they'll never win a, a premiership or whatever. Mm-hmm. But bonding as a team and you gel as a team, that may be also a catalyst of, of winning a, a, a title. Yeah, so, definitely. So Molly, uh, sorry, Miranda, you started training um, with which squads at the moment? Yeah, NTC has started up their training again. So we've been non-contact for two weeks. We'll do another week in non-contact before we can go again. But I think that's actually a really smart decision because 
I know a lot of players would be like, oh, it's contact, let's just start games again. But then you've got to think of, you know, from a sports science perspective, injuries will be a massive concern because if you've been non-contact training, non-contact playing for months and you just jump back straight into games, you've not had that impact um, and there would be a lot of injuries, I think. So I think it's a smart decision to give you a two-week um, training period of contact training with your team so you can ease back into it before getting into full games. Have you had any players or families show reservations about going back into that environment? Not really. I think everyone's really eager to jump at the bit to get back on the park. Good. Yep. And um, the age group that you're training with? Mm. Yeah, it's um, good. We've got a pretty young age group. Obviously, it's the under-19s team, um, but everyone's handled it well, kind of. You know, some people are more responsible with others um, than the with the social distancing, but we had a drill the other day because you obviously can't tackle. We had a drill last night where everyone had their own pool noodle <laughs> and to win the ball back, you whacked the person with the pool noodle and they had to give you the ball. <laughs> Um, which okay. Is very fun. Nothing like promoting violence. It's a big piece of foam. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to try that with my 13-year-old girls. Everyone bring oh, a pool right, noodle down to training. Right. They'll love it. Watch out, Rose. <laughs> I'm writing that down on here. Pool <laughs> noodle. <laughs> so, what do you think of that technique, Molly? <laughs> Oh, look, I wish we could have it at every training, man. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone would want to come to training, wouldn't they? <laughs> Just so they don't have them on the pitch. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting how how things are uh, progressing along. Uh, what I find really interesting in the return to football is that uh, we've got Australia saying we're going to have an A-League hub system to end our 2019-20 season and it's going to be in New South Wales. You'll get the Victorian teams playing together and then they'll step into the competition, the, the, the hub system. Mm-hmm. They'll finish the season um, and... You know, we have some reservations about different parts of Australia still having a few cases of COVID-19. Um, but other than that, we're doing pretty well. Mm-hmm. Think of, say, England and the situation there, and it's very different, and they're returning to their competition. And they still got some players and coaches and teams that are, have reservations, but they're doing it for entirely different reasons. Mm. We, well, maybe not um, because, you know, we here in Australia, we need to get football happening because we've got contracted professional players. We've yeah. got to get the media out there. We've got to get you know, contracts fulfilled in not just playing but the broadcasting rights, sponsorship and all that kind of stuff. But we're doing it in a much safer environment where we can control it and we can sanitise it and we've got the resources to do it in, say, England and, and Italy where they've had terrible problems. Mm-hmm. They're going ahead and doing that on a much bigger scale. And that I'm worried about that. Like I'm, I'm concerned yeah. if, if the players say no or they don't want to do it but they're contracted for these amazing amounts of money, do, do they have a choice? Like can they just say, no, I don't feel safe or I don't want to do it? Well, that's a legal minefield, isn't it? I know. I mean, really <laughs> – I mean, it's unprecedented. I mean, insurance companies now are changing their policy mm-hmm. to match COVID nineteen. You know, all the fine prints. Yeah, you know, if you if you had done this, you're not covered. If it, so, I don't know. It's a, it's a very difficult situation that people wouldn't have forecast, obviously, and have been caught out. So, look at the end of the day, and they keep on saying we're all in together mm-hmm. and we're we're there. You know. The safety of players and people is always the main priority, but is it? Well, Molly, the Bundesliga has been travelling along for two or three weeks now, men's Bundesliga, and I'm not sure how to pronounce the women's side of things. Frau? Say it. Frau? I should know. I did a semester of German. I can't remember a word. So unlike England, who have said we're cancelling the professional league, the women's professional league, in Germany they've decided – 
to support it moving ahead. Tell us about that. Yeah, so they kicked off last night um, with Wolfsburg and Cologne, um, and I think those Munich players that might have been a couple more games. Um, but I think I think that's an important important thing for Germany. They've got a bit of a different setup than England um, in terms of money and how that's all sorted and support for teams. Um, and I think they've also handled the situation slightly better than England mm-hmm. um, with COVID, but. I think, you know, it's great just to see any football, of course, um, and that, you know, they've put importance on getting the women back on the field and actually finishing out their season um, because I think they've got about, they've got, you know, they've got about the same amount of games as what England stopped them from playing sort of thing. Um, So I think think it's great. It's really good. It was so much fun to watch last night. Um, How did you watch it, Molly? I was going to say... Um, it was actually, luckily it was pretty simple. So it's DFB TV, um, is Germany's, um, like German football's main website. And it's, they've just live streamed the game on there. So they've got a couple of them. It's also an app, DFB, um, and you can watch it off the app on your phone. What, free? Um, yep, yep, all wow. free. Sweet. Um, so I think I know what I'm doing tonight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're just writing this down. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the first half of the stream was very patchy last night, but the second half was perfect, and that's when a couple of good goals happened too. So, so yeah. nice. Do we have? Uh, well, I'm sure we must have. Do we have some Australian players over in the league? Emily Gilnick is playing for okay. Munich. Um, yeah, Gilnick. Yep. Very good. Um, yeah, wouldn't wouldn't know if anyone else off the top of my head, unfortunately. But coming back to the financial issues in, in supporting not just women but men football as well, just football. Where's our, our big papa, FIFA? Mm. I mean, they're very they, quiet, haven't they? They've got buckets loads of money. They've got more money than some of the countries in the world. Where's the? Where are they? Where are they? What are they in, rolling out to help? Come, yeah, mm. and saying, "Hey, guys, you know." Or maybe they're just waiting for the crisis to finish and say, okay, now we're coming up with a financial package. Mm. Here we are. We're going to support you guys because the lost revenue. I did, I did I mean, read that they're rolling out some packages to help, but I can't remember in what areas they were going to help with. Molly, do you know? No, I'm not sure, but also you would have to question whether you'd want them putting money into these big leagues where they should have backfalls and, you know... Their own financial, um, financial viability. Hmm. Yeah. No, but I'm, know, I'm talking about so the grassroots areas, uh, Molly. Um, oh, totally. I mean, uh, we, we're not... Junior programs. We, we don't want to prompt up uh, Ronaldo's, uh, you know, million-dollar week... Uh, million-dollar <laughs> week wage uh, <laughs> that he continues to get. But I'm talking about the grassroots where, you know, clubs have suffered the financial... Um, and, you know, they should be reaching out to these people and saying, look, we don't want you to fold, we want you to continue. There has been a bit of a setback. Even if they injected, I don't know, forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 per club mm. that are in strife, uh, give them that leg up. Mm. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. And Molly doesn't know the answer to that, so we just don't have <laughs> <No>. a hope. <laughs> no, but what I'm saying is why, you know, okay, they're sitting there. Why aren't we as a football community reaching out to them? Mm. And I know we've got well, to go through our, our national well, state associations yeah. and then our national, but surely, I mean, maybe that's a, a question we could ask Football West in the future. 
that, you know, are we seeking that financial assistance uh, to get us through this bump? Mm. I wonder who I wonder who would know that, that we could get on that could speak um, non, non-politically. There. There's also a chairman. Hmm. Yes. Um, Molly, before we let you go, I did want to say a great article on Tanya Oxtoby. I'm a big fan of Tanya Oxtoby. I played alongside her in state teams and watched her coach and develop as a coach and then off she went to um, yeah, share her wares elsewhere, which was a bit disappointing here for Perth and Australia. <laughs> but as she said, you know, the, the sea is much bigger over there and mm. opportunities are much better. But great article and there's – been uh, Football West on their Western End podcast also did an interview with Tanya. It was about 45 minutes or so. So if you haven't had a listen to that, Molly, log into footballwest.com.au, the Western End pod show, podcast, I should say. Um, very interesting. Um, Tanya is very well spoken, mm. um, very, very mm-hmm. clear. I'd love to get her in the studio whenever she's back in Perth yeah. and have a chat. But uh, her philosophy uh, personally and um, coaching is is excellent. She um, very strongly um, believes in empowering the players to make their own decisions and grow strong and become better people and to um, give them all of the skills that they will become better people and have more opportunities in their career. Mm-hmm. Now, unlike uh, Molly, if you think of a professional male footballer who might not be very well spoken and just might be – have an awful voice or something like that, but they play really good football and they'll get paid squillions of dollars for it mm-hmm. so they can tuck the money away. With female football, you just have to have more tools in the kit. Yeah. So if the opportunity arises or doesn't arise in two years' time, you're not playing football but you've dedicated two years of your time that the club has invested all these other skills into you and educated you that you might go into media or mm. you might go into sports training or physiotherapy or something like that. So Tanya at Bristol City – is very much on top of that and I love the way she operates. So I reckon mm-hmm. that Bristol City as a, an infrastructure would be much better off with her in it than they were maybe a couple of years ago. Yeah. So well done for covering that, Molly. <laughs> no worries. Thanks for reading it. I, I had so much fun. It was an interview I'd been wanting to do for ages and sort of in the back of my mind hopes and dreams and then it happened and I was pinching myself. So. <laughs> Yeah. Very happy that you read it and you enjoy it. No problems. If it ever works that we can connect you two together at some point when Tanya's here and you want to travel over and watch a Perth Glory game, you can come in the studio oh, here, we'll get Tanya in and you can have a chat. I can make that happen. <laughs> 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 open, but yeah. it, we'll just you. talk to the Premier for you. <laughs> Molly, it's been wonderful having a chat with you. Really appreciate your time. I hope you continue to stay safe and well and can travel a, a bit more soon. And keep up Thanks. the good work. You guys, mm. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. And stay safe. Good on you, Molly. Enjoy your weekend. Bye. See ya. That was Molly Appleton from Molly's Football Rants or Molly's Footy Rants. can't remember. Molly's Rants. Molly's Rants. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's just about football. Yeah. The soccer code. The world game. Actually, I saw rugby call it the world game overnight. How mm. dare they? <laughs> they yeah. have no stake in that. No claim whatsoever. Well, they do. I think they've got about 32 teams oh, versus on. 209. I know. Yeah, right. but, yeah, come give, on. got to give them something. I mean, why? Union's the same. <laughs> Not like uh, some other code that's only interstate, but we won't talk about that. <laughs> Uh, Miranda, before we go to break, is there anything else that we want to cover with uh, women's football that we should let our listeners know? No, I just found the um, American, how they're structuring it really 
interesting. You know, they've the got Challenge Cup. The Challenge Cup, which is set to start on the 27th in Utah. And the thing I found really interesting about it is so they're having, they've got nine teams. It's going to be go for a month. And each team is going to play four preliminary rounds. These are all the teams from the National League, right? Yeah. Yep, so every one of them is jumping mm-hmm. in. Yep. yep, and then eight teams advance to knockout, so only one doesn't make it, which is a bit rough on that one team. But and then all, but all of them will be staying in an NWSL village, so all of them are quarantined together with all the staff, all the players, um, all the officials, um, and that's all been funded by the owner of the Utah Royals. So Whoa. it's all come out of his own pocket. Wow. Yeah. Whew, do we have an amazing benefactor for football somewhere here in? Australia. Oh, yes. Did you see he rolled his eyes then? Well, so they would have come out of the woodwork a lot earlier. No, you, well, you're going to get me angry here because I tell you, I mean, we talk about women football, we talk about women business people, mm. right? They're always talking about equality and that's great. But ha- hang on a sec. Yeah. You, you know, you've okay. got... I, I, I you've didn't got, mention that when Molly was on the equality right, you've part. Got, you've mm. got the opportunity here to shine mm. and, and come out and show that you're... You want the equality and you want to see women succeed, we'll put your money where your mouth is. Mm. What do we call the kind of football where you play the digital games? What what's that? The e sports. E sports, that's e sports, yeah. yeah. Um how do you reckon that's gone over this last couple of months? I haven't I've seen I haven't participated in it, but I you know, my coaches and some of the other teammates are like, jump on the PlayStation tonight, I'll be on the PlayStation and um and I think they've got actual Leagues going, but I haven't yeah. really kept yeah. in touch with it. Yeah, well, in, in, in being in sports, they've mm. been showing it on television. Right. Um, it's not my thing, I've got to say. It's not my thing <laughs> but, but the thing is that it's, it's getting, like I said, we've said before on this show that, you know, that it's getting international recognition. I can getting... imagine a bit of sponsorship dollars going into it because if it's international, mm. yeah, then lots of people watching it you and know, that's brand awareness. The social, Well, the social media mm. and people are talking about it, uh, especially the younger ones. Apparently you can do the same thing with Minecraft. So I go down to training and my girls say something about yeah, each other but they haven't been in the same space. And I say, how do you know that? Like we're on Minecraft. But how do you know that someone's – I'm like, well, because when you're on Minecraft, you know who logs in. I'm like – Right, okay, cool. So you can actually communicate through Minecraft somehow. <laughs> well, what does that mean? I have no idea. No, but I'm what I'm just... saying, Penn, is it's a new world out oh, there. Oh, yes, it is. And honestly, uh, if, if people go to the normal print media, you're really missing out because, you know, you can post something on here and it'll just hit worldwide. Mm. Yep. We're going to talk more about football very shortly with Simon Hill this is Penn and Miranda and Louie on the World Football Program. Back soon. The top station on your radio dial, Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. This is it. Everything we've been working for. The early mornings, late nights and sacrifices have all led to this. A World Cup on home soil. A chance to welcome the world. Australia's passion for sport and the world game knows no bounds. It's the game that connects us all, where creativity is rewarded and diversity applauded. We play without limitations, never taking a backward step and always looking to the future. Nothing is insurmountable. This is the opportunity to inspire everyone, not through big words and empty promises, but by leading the way on the field and off it. It doesn't matter who you are or where you come from. 
you have the belief, greatness can be achieved by anyone. It's for the people breaking conventions and smashing their own expectations. It's for the people ready to take a leap but need a little nudge. It's for those seeking that last bit of motivation. We're doing this for all of Australia. We're passionate souls and innovative minds strive for the perfect finish. This is Australia. Australia! This is football. Our future is limitless. Gate and Fence Hardware WA is your hardware shop online. Find all the parts you need to fix, make and secure your gates and fences. Friendly staff and family offer advice to help your project along or order in your special part. Gate and Fence Hardware WA. Station Sponsor. I'm Peter Skeeler. The world is a little different to us all right now. We may be learning to play football with our mates. And we're back, and that was Pete. And I just had a thought. Every time I put a promo up with Pete, who's on our team, he chooses these really good backdrops for his promos, mm. and both Sean and I have gone, wow, they're really good. So I don't know if it's his voice with the backdrop. The last one we did was Les Murray in that other yeah. one where he had all the players in the shop and they were kicking the ball around. Mm. I don't know, something, yeah. All the others kind of pale to insignificant. He's creative. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, he's got a good ear. Yeah, maybe. I'm not sure he'll say that, but, yep. Good morning, Simon. How are you? Morning, guys. How are you? Yeah, we're pretty good. We're excited over here because the news has just landed that our local football is going to be commencing in a matter of weeks and all the restrictions are easing. Phase three in a week or so, which is uh, one week after our long weekend. So basically uh, tackling back in, normality, um, all the feet on the pitches. It's yeah, it's good news for us over here. Great stuff. Mm. Yeah, we're uh, looking forward right around the country to getting the football back up and running, both at uh, local level and hopefully at national level in a few weeks' time. Mm. Uh, can't wait to have it back. Yeah, where, which state are you in at the moment? Uh, I'm well. That's a, that's a matter of opinion. Uh, <laughs> Good I'm, answer. How, how's football like locally looking over there? Uh, have uh, like all the parks been released? So like public areas and grassroots football is, is back on. Um. It's a good question. I, I'm not sure that we're fully back on. I think that, that there is a roadmap to get there. Um, but obviously, you know, the, the most popular states uh, that, that I'm in, New South Wales, uh, also has the most cases, even mm-hmm. though today we've recorded zero new cases for the first time, I think, in three weeks, which is fantastic news. Um, so I think they're, they're still being a little bit cautious. Um, so I couldn't tell you the exact date that's been set for uh, resumption, but I, I know it's it's on the cards. Um, I think they're just waiting for the state's government to say, yep, you're good to go. And are you excited with the release of uh, the, the news that A-League is going to be back in? How's your next couple of months going to be looking up after the last couple of months looking like it has? 
Well, look, I'm cautiously excited because uh, obviously they, they, again, to use that term, they've set a roadmap um, to to get the the league restarted and and completed. Uh, Looking at mid-July and with uh, a grand final, hopefully in mid to late August. Uh, Obviously, the the caveat to that is uh, that that requires uh, the agreement of uh, the broadcaster, which for transparency's sake, of course, I'm an employee of being Fox Sports. Um, so that's the final part of the jigsaw, really, um, is, is getting the agreement of, of the host broadcaster. And once that is done, then hopefully we can you know, get back and, and get this season finished. I mean, it'll be behind closed doors. We know that. But uh, you know, at least we, we, we'd have the A-League back. And uh, for sporting integrity, it'd be great to get the competition finished. Have they uh, selected any particular... They talk about a hub... Simon, but any particular grounds that they will like quarantine and and have these um, teams stationed at, as it were. Well, look, the the latest information is is that Sydney has been chosen as the hub. Yeah, um, which probably won't surprise you over there in the mm-hmm. West. Yeah, um, I think they're looking at three grounds. Certainly, Jubilee Stadium <laughs> would be one. Maybe Leichhardt Oval. I, I did see talk of Wynn Stadium in Wollongong as well. Well, okay. um, obviously they, they can't play all the games at just one stadium because yeah. uh, I'm not sure the, the wear and tear of the ground, yeah. that, that, you know, that volume yeah. of games. But uh, yeah, I think I think you know, obviously you need a you need a locale that has you know two or three stadiums within touching distance, and probably Sydney or, or Melbourne is you know the best choice for that. I can tell you, it's not gone down too well in Queensland. David Poray, the CEO of Brisbane Raw, has been very vocal today, saying that uh, he disagrees with the FFA's decision. So, off we go again with. Well, I mean, the war, I mean, but, uh, the one's anyway, going to be hard as hit. It would know, be Perth. Thing is we, should, we should be excited that it's it's not too far yeah. away. Hopefully. Yes. I mean, Wellington and Perth are the ones that yeah, are the hardest right. hit. Mm. I mean, we're, we're not going to see. Yep. But the, the other thing is, if, if things, let's say, hypothetically start to slacken off as far as the, the COVID issue, uh, are Western Australian Perth fans allowed to fly over there and watch games live? What do you, no, well, no, no there's no crowds. No, no crowds at all. So even no, up to no, the no, final, no. even the grand final, if, you know, let's say hypothetically in October, oh, well, sorry, August, it's all been zero zero right across the country as far as any, nobody being infected. And this is and this is what the issue is in um, the EPL with that starting mm. locking mm. the fans out of the stadium. I'm sure they're going to be hanging around the entrances, and the police are going to have to deal mm. with that. That's well, going to be some you know, challenge. For, for the time being, at least, and I think this uh, at the very least applies to the completion of this season. You can't afford to, even if we had zero cases, you can't afford to take that risk. Yeah. Uh, not only from a practical point of view, but also from a litigation point of view, because, you know, if one club says, hey, we're okay over here, say it's Perth Glory, we're going to have fans inside our stadium, which company is going to ensure that football club mm-hmm. in, the, in the current circumstances? Mm-hmm. And all it needs is, you know, one uh, case of COVID that then spreads. I mean, it, if you kept up with the news in, in the UK, they, they've actually pinpointed a couple of Champions League games. I think one involving Liverpool and uh, my memory's not too good on that. It might have been Valencia. It's certainly a team from Spain. Mm. Atletico Madrid, my apologies. Um, and they pinpointed that as being a major cluster of this you know, COVID outbreak in the UK. 
So they've got to be very, very careful. And I think it's going to be um, a, a matter of implementing this resumption to normality in stages. Uh, and if that means we play games behind closed, door, closed doors, yeah, of course it's not ideal. Everybody wants spectators in the ground. Mm-hmm. But I think for the, the rest of this season, at least in the A-League, I, I don't think that's a possibility. I think the, the clubs and the, and the federation would be crazy yep. to do that. Have you ever commentated a game without a crowd? Uh, yeah, two weeks ago. I did a, a K-League game. Um, for the K-League official Twitter and, and YouTube sites between John Book Motors and Sue on Blue Wings uh, using the new technology. I actually called it off my laptop in my front room. Um, <laughs> and obviously there were no fans there. Um, so, look, again, it's, it's not ideal. It, it does tend to feel a bit like a glorified training session. In the second half, John Book, who were the home team, actually did pump some sort of artificial crowd noise into the stadium, which seemed to help mm-hmm. players a little bit. Um, it's you know football without fans is nothing we know that but mm-hmm. I, I think for the sporting in- integrity of the competitions it's imperative that we get the you know the leagues finished and we've not got too far to go here in Australia so mm-hmm. I think we'd, we're just going to have to cop this for the rest of this season and then hopefully regroup and get fans back for the start of next next year. Well, we're broadcasting. You were talking about um, are the commentators actually going to be at the ground or are you going to do it from your your homes, as it were, and um, feed it through that way because of... You well, know, we don't know yet um, yeah. because there hasn't, there hasn't been uh, any agreement, as I say, uh, yeah, it's between the difficult the one, isn't it? broadcaster. Because so, you don't want people going won't. up there with microphones in the place, you know, if it's got no, any virus no, attached yeah, no, to it, you know? Or you've got to be tested before you get into the ground. Yeah, no. so there's going to well, be a lot of complications. Well, let, let, me just, let me just explain what happened before we stopped the league. So... One of, the, one of the final games that I called, in fact, the final A-League game I called before the season was suspended was the Sydney Derby between the Wanderers and Sydney FC. Now, I was, uh, along with the rest of the Fox Sports team, I was actually at Bankwest Stadium. Um, and I conducted pre-game interviews, but we had to safe distance. So I was stood behind a microphone. Mitch Duke, who I interviewed, was three or four metres away with another microphone. So there, there was a safe distance, and there were all sorts of protocols in place. There were no pre-game handshakes. Of course, the players have to get up close and personal because that's the game. So there is you know, some form of inherent risk. But for the rest of the people that were actually at the venue, which included us, we had to practice that safe distancing, and that will be the case if and when we resume. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's going to be a different look, isn't it? I've been watching some of the Bundesliga games and uh, I, I, I don't know if it's just because there's an absence of the crowd and when the commentators commentate, it's uh, hollow, mm. like it just has a different sound, yeah. that it also looks to me like the players are playing differently, but that just could be the other factors kicking in. Yeah, no atmosphere, that's the problem. But what's your well, view the, the on... Players respond to crowds. Exactly. You know, yeah. Players exactly. are playing in front of big crowds. Yeah. So if there's nobody there, it's got to affect them. Um, but... You know, sports is not unique. We don't exist in a bubble. And, you know, we, we've got to abide by societal rules at the moment. And we know how dangerous this uh, virus is. So if if that's a, a first step to getting our, our sport back on the road, then I think we've got to accept it for the time being. Yep. Simon, I think there's a huge opportunity being missed here from my perspective. That You know, people, uh, the clubs are using cutouts of people 
putting them into the crowd. And they're dogs. But, yeah, but the, <laughs> what, what I'm saying is the opportunity that's being missed is why don't they uh, have cutouts of business names of sitting in these yeah. seats, okay? So you've got sponsors. They're talking about sponsors walking away, right? Here's an opportunity to say, okay, uh, Louis, you can promote your company, right? You you pay $50 for a seat and you've got all these companies. So, you know, when a goal scored, whatever, and, you know, or cut out or throw in or whatever the case may be, when there's a stoppage in well, play, hang on, hang on. I can tell you why. Showing. Because around, the, for example, in the EPL, they have those flashing boards around mm. on the grass. Yeah, they're and the they're, major they're, sponsors. Yeah, of but, course. But you can't well, well, we have them. those too. We, yeah, we exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But what but I'm saying is. Well, okay, but you're, you're assuming that there's 150, 200 companies minimum, you probably need more than that, uh, that are willing to invest. Now, at the moment, as we know, you know, football's in a very difficult space. Mm. We're about to lose our, our major sponsor, Hyundai, uh, mm. of, uh, of the competition. Uh, the future of, of the main broadcaster, Fox Sports, is there's a big question mark next to it. I'm not revealing any state secrets by, by saying that. Come on, you can so, tell us. Yeah. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, where's, where are those sponsors coming from? Yeah. But the, the, see, the, what, what I'm saying from that perspective is that the companies who are now needing, are, are coming back to business, they're opening their doors again. Here's an opportunity to say, hey, guys, we're open. You know, instead of having to cut out of their faces hmm. and they've got their own business and they're paying that 30 or $50 anyway, you know, have a promo of your business name there. All the businesses that, that have done well during this period, well, I suppose, I, I'm not, building I'm not quite them. sure I'm understanding what you say because I don't think that – I mean, the, the league, even though the, even though the A-League has said, look, we, we plan to resume on 15th of, of July or whenever it is, yeah. there is no agreement in place yet mm-hmm. for it to resume officially. Mm-hmm. Uh, the FFA have basically set out the roadmap, but until all that is confirmed, then they can't really start selling advertising or sponsorship yeah, until enough. we know that what it's the structure is yeah. broadcast so that those sponsors can actually get their brand seen. I mean, I agree in theory, it's a good idea, yeah. um, but we're not at that, at that state of uh, evolution yet that we could go and do that. So I'm not sure we're missing an opportunity. The opportunity is not there yet. <laughs> mm. So one of the things that um, we haven't talked about is that we're finishing the 2019 and 20 season and it's in winter and um, it's going to be July, August that the competition is run over and we haven't done that for a while. Like we, it's a switch. It's been summer sport for I can't remember how many years now. Um, Simon, is it time to have discussions to Move it? Are we? Is there less competition? Well, I mean, there's less competition all around in the market, but then generally, is it a, a time to be considering that maybe we should switch it to winter sport now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, obviously, again, I'm sorry to sound like a broken record, but that will depend on the outcome of the talks with the broadcaster because you know they have their own commitments uh, during winter. Um, if it was to move somewhere else, then. You know, maybe that's a discussion you could have. In theory, yes. I mean, I'm fully in favour of uh, playing at a time of year when uh, it's it's more conducive to better football. Let's be honest, when we play in mid-January and it's 40 degrees at 4 mm. o'clock in the afternoon, it's tough for the players, tough for the fans as well. Uh, I think it would also put us into alignment with the National Premier Leagues. 
and potentially a national second division if that comes along. But more importantly than anything, it puts us in line with Asia. And that's where our future is. That's where our current home is. And yet we, we run our seasons completely contradictory to the way they do. Mm. Now, there are, there are good reasons for that. Stadium availability, the so-called clear air that we used to uh, think we had during the summer. But I, personally, I think that's disappeared. The, the summer market now is just as crowded as winter. So I, I think this is very much something that you know is, is on the cards, at least in terms of a discussion. And, uh, you know, it would enable us to have football being played right around the country at exactly the same time of year at all levels. I think that's a big bonus. What do you mean about um, the not aligning with Asia? Well, at the moment, the, the Asian calendar basically is uh, February to November or early March to November. Uh, there, there are slight variations on that. Uh, but most of the Asian nations that are our, our local neighbours, that's the calendar that they play on. And, of course, it, it helps them with uh, the Champions League as well. Uh, at the moment, we play October to May, which is basically the slightly shorter, but it's, it's the European calendar. Uh, we play in the summer. They play in the winter. Um, so I, th- I think it would it would help our competitiveness on a regional level and bring us more into line with the AFC countries. And, uh, you know, we need to do that. We need to move away our thinking, I think, from uh, worrying about what rugby league and Aussie rules and cricket does and focus more on football. And like to be fair, that's what new CEO of the FFA, James Johnson, has said. It's got to become a football-first organisation. Forget mm. the other sports. They can do what they want. We know that they're powerful. We know they've got a lot of money. We've got to do what's best for us. Uh, and personally, I think that means moving to winter. We're a winter sport. Yeah, I'd be happy with that because it means that when we're on air, we'd be talking about the A-League and hopefully the W-League if it changed in the entire time that it's Well, that's happening. a good point about the W-League. Probably could work for the A-League, but how are you going to work the W-League given that yeah. the girls go you know, over and play in Europe and US yeah. and during their I peak season? I don't know. The contra- the contrary argument to that, and that's certainly one of them um, for the mm. W-League, uh, the, the other contrary argument, of course, is that you're then putting the MPL <clears throat> supporters in competition directly with the A-League. You know, p- perhaps mm-hmm. there's a lot of fans who watch the MPL in winter and will watch their A-League club in the summer. Mm-hmm. If they're all played at the same time of year, of course, they're, they're probably going to have to choose. Um, so, you know, that, that's, that's an argument against it. But personally, I think it's outweighed by the fact that we need a unified calendar across all levels of football and, um, you know, not least because it's, it brings in line to Asia, as I've said, but but also we're looking at a national second division. Um, we can't have a national second division played in winter and an A-League played in summer. That's not going to work. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if, you, if you're going to dip into those NPL uh, leagues around the country and take some of those clubs out, which theoretically could happen, then I think it needs to be played at the same time of year. But do we have an interest to have a second division, you we, think? We have, do we, have we, have, we have to. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely we do. Uh, we need it because we need more clubs. We need more pathways for our players and yeah. for our mm-hmm. coaches. We need, ultimately, in my opinion, promotion and relegation to give greater meaning to the bottom uh, of the A-League, which at the moment, if you finish 10th by 30 points, you know, as the Mariners have done, to be fair, three of, 
uh, four out of the last five seasons, there's no punishment mm. for them. But there we... needs to be a greater tension at the bottom of the league, uh, greater, a greater amount of matches that have meaning, I think. We also have to comply with the Asian Football Confederation, which is we have to have promotion and relegation, and we haven't done it. We just keep talking about it. Mm. Well, look, I mean, it is difficult, Pen. It's, you know, there, there are some pretty tough challenges yes. in Australia. It's a huge country. Um, we know that you know the other codes swallow up most of the corporate dollars. We've had historical problems with uh, governance, not so historical either. They're, they're pretty recent. So there are challenges for it, but I think sooner or later, we have, as I say, we have to grasp the nettle on this and put football first um, and not just mimic what the other codes do. We have to play to our strengths. And I think promotion relegation and, you know, a fully unified pyramid is, is one of those major strengths. Um, and people, you know, say, well, you know, one of the clubs is going to go bust if they get relegated. Well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> we'll replace them with somebody else. Do I you mean, think... that's how it works around the world. Um, we but they tried just... it with the Phillips League, uh, Simon. Yeah. Was... Sorry, say again. The old uh, Phillips, uh, 1977, when there was um, Heidelberg and all these sort of clubs, it was... Brunswick, there were promotions and relegations, and it just fizzled. Yeah, but that was a very different time. I mean, we're talking 40, 50 years ago. Uh, Um, I'm showing my age, sorry. (laughs) I'm not saying there aren't challenges to it, um, but I think there is is a workable model, and you can still have promotion and relegation, or at least the theory of it, by, uh, you know, waiting a playoff, for example, uh, so you have the bottom place team in the A-League against the grand final winner mm-hmm. of the National Second Division. It's played over two legs. The second leg is at the home of the A-League club. You know, you weight it heavily in favour. You put in place criteria. The stadium's got to be up to scratch. You've got to yep. have so many millions of dollars yep. in the bank. You've got to have a supporter base over 5,000 or, or a large membership. You, you can put into place stipulations that protect the current A-League clubs. But at the moment, you know, what we've got is a system whereby we're ninth place, tenth, even with 10 or 11 weeks of the A-League season to go, uh, they've no chance of making the finals. They're going to finish in the bottom two. But the game means nothing. And I don't think that helps the development of our players either. They need that cutting edge. Our yeah. football is, you know, you get a certificate for finishing 10th. That's not right. <laughs> it's, it's a competition. It's supposed to be tough. Yeah. You're supposed to be penalised for failure and rewarded for success. Mm. And at the moment, we don't have enough of that. Simon, thank you. Uh, there was there was more. I wanted to talk more, but it's just going to have to be next time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I always go off on a rant, Pen. Sorry. <laughs> no, that, that's okay. Actually, we had Molly Appleton, and she's got a, a website called uh, Molly's Football Rants, and she does pretty well. She's a young lady researching a lot of women's football uh, around the globe and watching where Australian players are tracking everywhere, which is very interesting at the moment. Thank you, Simon. Really do appreciate your time. I um, hope you're well. And stay safe. Yeah, stay safe out there. You too, guys. Have a good weekend. See ya. Thank you. That was Simon Hill, Fox Sports. Uh, a lot more to say than just broadcasting. That's no, good. absolutely. I mean, he's he's wealth of knowledge in football, but um, interesting days ahead. He, um, yeah. Changing it to winter sport, that's a really big call. I, I like it. And one of the things I'd really like to get his opinion on, and we'll talk more about that, is um, sharing resources. Will it be better if all of the 
competitions are played over the same period? Will facilities and money and broadcasting, will it be shared better if it's all in the same space? Don't answer that because we'll think about that. (laughs) Sean and the team are back next week and Lenny and Bags Groove is on next. Miranda, Louie, thank you. Enjoy your long weekend. Thanks for listening in, everyone, and see you later.